And the reason it's not safe beforehand is because if you open portals to the subtle worlds, when the soul doesn't really want to be here or part, close down our heart and, you know, and not, not love that deeply again in order to not feel that suffering. Or we get to, to turn our, our ship around and go into it and seek to plummet steps and the mystery of the heart's lessons. And the eventual realization, if anyone makes that journey, is that they have and always will be love. And it's one thing to know that philosophically, it's another for your heart to break open the central seal underneath all of the you and me stuff, to break out and at that central seal open. And then from then on, now it's like the non-duality of love happens that love is going to be present regardless of whether you have a beloved, whether you are in a beloved relationship with the universe or not. So, yeah, part of my question to you would be, is like, do you want that journey? Because that's, that's the soul's journey through the core of the heart. And if you say yes to that journey, then your loving relationships change. You know, what they're for changes because most people are, are, are in some kind of security around their relationship. And it's not to say that, that you don't have companions on your journey. I mean, deep, deep soul connection is companionship, and that's beautiful. And it's not to say also that your animals can't um, find mateship with somebody, because that's part of being in an animal body. But it's that your heart remains free. So... Um, the three paths to the void, really. One is through consciousness, through the core of awareness. One is through the body, through the core of every atom. And one is through the core of the heart. And through the core of the heart, this is where what I call galactic chi comes into the body. This is where the monadic energy comes. And the monadic energy comes in the core of the heart because there is the realization there that there is only one. Right? And there is only one love. And that love sits at the core of your loving. And then instead of your relationship sitting at the core of your world like a king and queen, you know, setting up a kingdom, love sits at the core of your world. And that that love, being true to love, is being more important than being true to the connection between two people or the connection of a field or that love itself becomes the most important principle to live with from your heart. So we all have our journeys in that, and we're all at different stages of that growth of the heart. And um, But the encouragement on Thursday and in this field of six weeks is to, is to keep growing the heart so that that center um, is strengthened. So that love sits at the core of your heart relationships um, and then at the core of the field. And then the other way that this part shows itself is that it's universal. So it's not love particularly for this person or that person, but it's love for the whole field. So for the field at Haydn, that includes love for a gardener, 
Wayne and Linda, who have taken care of this place for almost 30 years. They got married in the Rose Garden, and they, I don't, I don't like when I first came here and started doing esoteric work. They were, they were, um, you know, country rural folk, and they, they liked me, but they were like, you know, just too weird for us. And then, and then when we came this time. Then they struggled a bit the first few times, and they decided, "Well, we'll come." So they came and did an ISTA course and an ISTA program, and then, and then, so they kind of know what's going on, and their relationships changed. And um, it's for me, it's a, a sign that love is working if it includes everybody. That it's not just for people who understand esoteric concepts or whatever, but it's it's something that belongs to everyone in the field. And that the universal quality of love will do that. And I like to think that it's not just the humans, it's the it's that the grass enjoys growing and hiding a little bit more. That the 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 angels want to come hang out here a little bit more. You know, it's said that that in in Maridim that um, you know, when you walk onto a Mariah, it's who's traveling with you, who of your ancestors are interested in, you know, hanging out with you. And if you think about the whole passage of human evolution through time, and you know what's said in the esoteric tradition that there's 60 billion souls in the Earth sphere, so that means we've got maybe eight billion on the planet. So it means for every soul in incarnate, there's like eight or nine souls not incarnate but are still part of the Earth sphere. So if you're like the watcher, if you're like watching. Where are you going to go? You're going to go and sit and be with somebody who's sitting in front of a TV screen in a little concrete box in an apartment somewhere on virtual reality, or you're going to go hang out with people who are trying to change the face of culture on the planet and the source code by by experimenting with love. So, if you if you are doing something that the soul of humanity is longing for, then the soul of humanity is going to come hang out with you. And gonna come play and dance through your body and bring the ecstasy and the joy of feeling connected to something far greater than than ourselves. So universal love is not just something for humans. It's something that maybe even the worth is earth is made humans for. Maybe the earth made a big investment in humanity and it's kinda of wondering about the payoff now. You know, like how's this going to work out? And uh, and maybe there's something that humans, when they really awaken as love, can give to the earth that the earth really needs. That the earth created, you know, participated in the creation of humans for. And I know in my journey, you know, I decided I didn't really like humans quite early, and. Um, and would have preferred to be a dolphin or a tree or something. So I went and studied cetaceans and did marine biology, and then went and swam with dolphins every day for you know a number of years, because I like liked them better than humans. Like they, humans seem to be so stupid and cruel. And um, but unfortunately, even though the dolphins really loved me, they didn't. And even though I bought a little dolphin fin, you know, like like I had a little flipper that I would go with them, and they kind of tolerated me. And they were my first tantra teachers. Actually, they taught me, you know, that they love through their bodies, and they would take me into their pod and rub me up. And but at the end of the day, I was just this human with a dolphin fin. <laughs> So, kind of like the ugly duckling, I had to kind of 
<laughs> wonder like, okay, so then maybe I need to figure out humans a little bit more. So I, so I studied psychology mainly to, uh, mainly to kind of find out why we're so fucked up, you know, like <laughs> animals seem to like, you know, like they weren't cruel, they were, they could eat each other and, you know, but, but they weren't cruel. And so I went to, to university and did psychology and, and you know, I, one of the experiments like, that we did for love, like, you know, you want to explore love, I was interested in love, was like pupil dilation in, um, in uh, you know, dating so that you we had little cameras to measure how much people's pupils dilated as an indication of whether they were in love or not with the other person. And, and then we had little rats pushing bars and, you know, for little, you know, grains of food if they were doing stuff. And after a little bit of this, I'm like, no, this is not it. <laughs> <laughs> I am not going to understand what's fucked up in humans <laughs> by studying rats and pupil dilation, you know. So, so this thing of... Um, Becoming human, and one of the beautiful things for me about doing this work is now I feel proud to be human because I've found other humans that I'm proud to stand with and to be with, and and they've taught me that there is much to respect about human beings, and there's tremendous spirit and courage and beauty that lives inside the human soul if it's given a chance, if it's given the containers to flower them that just about everybody has potential for that flowering, you know, regardless of where they are on the path. So <clears throat> I consider this an experiment in, in, in really becoming human, like really defining what it is to be a human being and what our role might be on the planet and what our gift to the earth might be if we really showed up as the love that we are. So that's my ramble for now. Um, but I want to, I want, I want to, I want to bring love from this kind of fluffy light and um, Hollywood thing that we don't think is actually applicable to our lives. I want to bring it and marry it to the spiritual warrior. I want to marry the light and love, love part to power. And for me, part of the thrill of being a human being is that I get to stand up for what I believe in. I get to stand up for what matters to me deeply. Not because anybody else says so, but because inside my own soul, I have an integrity. And that integrity has got to do with whether or not I'm living according to my principles. Never mind what anybody else thinks or anybody else's standards. Like we all have that in a conscience. And so, and in order to live in that way, and fail to live in that way, I mean, my life has been a terribly drunken dance down the, light, down the cheeks of night. It hasn't been this, you know, kind of gradual drive from loving success to loving success. It's been failure and catastrophe and emergence. And so most of ours are like that. But underneath it, there's been a golden thread all the way along that I've known if I am on that thread or not. And I could convince everybody else that I'm on it, but I would still know that I wasn't. So it's the encouragement in this space to, to really find the pride, the divine pride in yourself as a soul. You know, not the, the kind of, the, you know, collection of other people's accolades, but your own 
you know, judgment of your own self in a healthy way. Like, am I truly living according to my own soul's um, demand, really, as a being? And there's a joy that breaks out when you are. Like, when you are truly are doing that, there's an, a joy that naturally is generous and naturally flows to other people and naturally wants them to stand for that in themselves. And then, as a, as a group, you know, what does that look like? So I want to say something about another piece that I'm hoping will come out of this particular training, and that's um, what I'm calling wild love. And wild love, to me, is a name for what's breaking out on the planet. So in the 60s, there was this breakout of love, right? And um, it was more in the naive love and light kind of way, and free love it missed a lot of things, but there was this big like emergence out of the 50s into the 60s. And there's a similar thing going on now. And that, but that process is another turn of the spiral around. And for me, the thing that's added this time that was missing then is the wild, is the fierceness, is that power that's added to the naivety of love and light that understands its life and death that understands that it could take everything. That it's not just going to be singing some kumbaya songs and everything will change. It could require your life and death. And the willingness to be wild, because that wild comes from the survival in our primal, the places in the planet that are still crazily wild, that have the fertility of life force. The places in the Amazon that we're burning for, you know, cattle, the places inside our psyches that are still wild, the parts of us that are absolutely crazy, that are not socially acceptable, that are not, you know, going, that you, you know, wear in your dinnertime conversation with your family. There's wild places inside the psyche, just like there are on the planet. There are dragons that live inside us, and we need the wild. So the idea is that wild love is, um, is a movement really, that's happening all over the planet, and that there's some big events ahead. So, like the 60s, if you track between 1960 to 1969, um, there was an evolution of a movement. And it wasn't started by anyone, and it wasn't organized, it was just happening. So the same thing's happening on the planet, the same transits are happening. So there's a huge astrological transit next year in 2020 when Pluto and Saturn come together in January. So these two planets are, Saturn is the one that chopped off Uranus's testicles, and he's ruled civilization for thousands of years now. And it's the rules and regulations, and basically the way that it translates is, um, if you don't do what you uh, are told, then we'll kill you. That's basically how it translates. Basically means like, we will do what's best for you, and if we don't, if you don't, we'll send the tanks in. Or you need to get a job. It's, it's Saturn. It basically says, unless you can access a higher energy than this, you have to come under Saturn. And Saturn says you've got to cross the T's and dot the I's and do all of the things that you need to do. The only way to get out of Saturn is, is to access a deeper energy. And the next planet is Uranus. So you need to put your balls back on, okay, to 
because Saturn's got no balls. And in fact, the whole generation of religions that came after that also had no balls. You know, from Osiris in Egypt to Jesus to like no, none of the male divinities are virile. And that's one of the reasons why they've repressed the feminine powers in the world. So bringing an end to Saturn requires Pluto, and Pluto is a planet of death and destruction from the depths. Everything that's being repressed is going to rise. And the same in our own life, when we're trying to rule ourselves from our mind, then eventually a part of us rebels. What part rebels? Normally down in our emotional, sexual, animal self that says, fuck you and your rules, I'm going to live. Okay, and so with most we, we're like the, the horse bucks off the rider. It just says, shit, I want a better rider. I want, I want the soul to rule me, not mind. So Pluto-Saturn is about that happening in the world. So we're going to see upheavals. But the trouble with revolution is that it often just replaces the same thing with the same thing. So wild love is to make visible in the world a different culture that's not about business as usual, and it's not about rebellion to that. It's about the assertion of something else that is on the other side of both of those, which is the shameless expression of your life as love. Shameless expression of your life as love. Wild, free, beautiful, connecting to all of the other people who are living that way. There's now millions of us on the planet. So if we just emerge, <coughs> If we just emerge, then we'll be visible, and you'll give everybody else permission and and the encouragement to do it as well. So in the Second World War, it said like 10,000 Germans controlled the whole of France with their guns, you know. But of every Frenchman that just got up one morning and walked out, said, fuck your guns, like I'm here, that would have been end. But everyone has the same feeling, like, what if it was just me? It's no point me sacrificing myself for everybody. If everybody doesn't do it together, it's like, so you're never going to get that to happen. Except that the soul will do that. The soul will say, look, I'm tired of hiding. I'm just going to emerge as the love that I am. I don't care about crucifixion or burning or whatever the hell happened for generations. It's just an imperative. I have an imperative inside me to shine the love that I am in the world, regardless of the consequences. So as those people show up, and they show up together, and they see each other across the cultures and of the world, then we have what's coming. We have the new civilization made visible. So the encouragement next year is for people between that transit, um, when Jupiter and Pluto meet, and Pluto and Saturn meet, to just go on the road as love in the world. So we're going to do a tour of Europe, and we're going to encourage people to do that all around the planet. It doesn't really matter whether you take a trip to your local supermarket or you take your combi bus on the road, but it's just like breaking out of fear and showing up as love in the world and encouraging other people to do that. So part of this field is going to... Um, Rhea and Anthos are going to produce something for us, and we're also going to do an alignment next year at Glastonbury. Um, so we'll talk more about it, but the invitation now is to also think about what we're doing here is not just something for ourselves, but something that can move through us into the world. 
and that could be a, as part of a group project and it can be through you as an individual just how can you download what's moving through you so it flows into the world and flows along your networks like a river moving out and it doesn't need to take necessarily an outer form but it starts with energy starts with instead of just receiving transmitting like allowing it to move through and you may be taking a bit of a break <coughs> from Facebook and from email and so on but you don't have to take a break from the energy webs okay and so it's very powerful to allow energy as it moves through you particularly joy and love and where you feel like you're bursting it's powerful to transmit that, to send that through your webs without any form or structure. It keeps a flow moving and going. And it also, for the part of you that feels like you may be emotionally abandoning people out there, it actually flows something to their hearts from your heart. Okay, any thoughts or questions about, about um, love and community before we go into some more practical expressions of that? Great, thanks Rich. So <clears throat> there may be opportunities and also maybe people here with, with digital iPhones and so on, all you need to do is just like feel like I'm full, I want to say something. So selfie it or get someone else to do it and, and give your transmission and send it out or, or see Rich. Great. I've got all my professional video equipment with me. I don't have anything to share. I just don't actually capture it, but professional equipment. Awesome. Awesome. Great, Yossi. Yeah. 